Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome everyone to Reality Renault with Mitch and Mark. And Mark, with only a few days to go until Christmas, I'm kind of excited but also anxious because I think like everybody else, there is so much to do in order to get ready for Christmas, it just always seems like an impossible dream. It does. But I think people are a bit anxious too that with what's happening with the Omicron variant, are we going to have a Christmas like last year? But fingers crossed, we all get to get together. Well, I know our neighbours, Mark, Flick and Jeff, two doors down, they had all their family coming last year from Victoria and they're coming again this year. And hopefully it works for them, just like everybody else across the nation trying to get together. Fingers crossed. But we've also had a really busy week. The store has been booming, which is great. We're meeting so many people. Thanks for coming. People came from Bathurst the other day just to say hi. It was very nice. And we also attended some special events, the Steven Spielberg retake on West Side Story. I enjoyed it, Mark, but what are your thoughts? Be Uh, honest. My thought was really there was no need to redo it. I really didn't enjoy it i have to say i thought it was like i didn't see the point of doing it again we re-watched the original a few days later just to get familiar with it and it just seemed like a same same version yeah, so didn't didn't see the point but anyway a lot of people enjoyed it most exciting is we sat for an artist who wants to paint us for the archibald prize that was crazy i know like get that being painted for the archibald my guys kind of feel like well lucky us well lucky us because she's an amazing artist carolyn Zelinsky. But that's been our week. Mark, you're forgetting we also did the Light Up Christmas Appeal, one of the most important things we did this week. I forgot the Light most up important Christmas. bit. Yeah, most important it was to raise funds to support the Children's Hospitals Foundation here in New South Wales. Yeah, and as people may know, we're, we're beneficiaries of that with one of our granddaughters who's got Dravet Syndrome, which requires ongoing care, and the Children's Hospitals have been an absolute lifesaver, literally. But, Mitchie, this week we're going to introduce our next guest, and this person is a celebrity chef who's been recognised worldwide. Well, she's recognised for her hair, clearly, but also her amazing talent. She's a great mate of ours. She has worked in some of the best kitchens around Europe and in Australia. She's a pastry chef. Award-winning pastry chef. Well, multi-award-winning pastry chef. And our friend Anna, giveaway, has a delight for a fast food dessert, which doesn't make sense when she's one of the best pastry chefs in the world. It's bizarre. She appeared recently on Snackmasters on Channel 9 and she recreated, I think it was um, Hungry Jack's a burger, one of the burgers. But she's currently got the biggest gingerbread house in the Southern Hemisphere in Westfield in Sydney. Yes, so drop in and see Anna. In the next few days, she will be delighted and she is a delight. So without any further ado, I would love to introduce our very special friend. But I have to explain one thing. I think I might have been swinging on a chair when we were recording Anna, so there might be a little bit of noise in the background. You might, you've got to learn to sit still. I know. I was, a bit, still. I was a bit nervous with Anna. <laughs> anyway, without any further ado, I would love to welcome Anna Polibu to Reality Renault with Mitch and Mark. could not be more excited to welcome pastry chef queen extraordinaire and very dear friend Anna Polavu. Welcome beautiful. Thank you so much boys I really appreciate it and you forgot good friends as well. 
I said yeah. that. I Did said you put that, that in? Was that yes. at the very beginning? Oh, my yes. God. See, I only heard the beautiful and talented. I uh, forgot the friendship part. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stop it already. You're killing me. <laughs> and the one that rocks the signature pink mohawk. I know. It's looking beautiful. Actually, but you know what? I When I first met you, you I think you were black and white. I was black and white. And that's when you gave me my award for yes. Patriot Chef of the Year for Australia, which was amazing. How amazing is that, Anna? How long ago, oh, how chef how long ago was that? Year? It was quite a while ago now because I've had the pink mohawk for about, what, four years? Hmm. So I would right. say probably five or six years. And, you know, and yeah. obviously the pink mohawk was because of family food fight. So on Channel well, 9 when I hosted that. I was going to ask you, why did you go from black and white to pink? Yeah. Well, it was because of the TV show and I never wanted to dye it pink. And then I said, you've got to change it. You're going to go pink. And I'm like, oh, you've got to be joking. And then it happened. And then it's stuck now. And obviously people knew me as the white mohawk, you know, titanium with MasterChef. So when we went with Channel 9 and we did Family Food Fight, yeah. their branding was pink. And they're like, we want you to be same to neon light. We want you to be more inviting to the family as well. So it's less harsh as well. And then that's what happened. And then this happened about, you know, and I love it. I think that's amazing. I love that a pink mohawk is more appealing to the audience. Like 20 years ago, any mohawk probably wouldn't have been. <laughs> don't, don't you love that? Actually, and let's actually go back to where all this inspiration came from, which starts, I, w- I want to know what aspects of your life affected you to get here. Like you, you, you grew up in Melbourne? Yeah, Melbourne girl. My parents immigrated from Cyprus. So our household were always speaking Greek. So we never spoke English in the household and then our neighbour started speaking to us in English and that's how we started speaking English. She's from our neighbour and she's a beautiful Australian woman. So what age were you when you started speaking English? Uh, Probably about four. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Mm, So quite later. It was more about Greek. Did you go to Greek school? Oh, God, yes. I had to finish year 12. So, yeah, yeah. And did really well. You went to Greek school through to year 12. Yeah. But that was in addition to regular school, though. Mm. Of course. So we used to go on Saturdays. Did you like it? Well, I mucked around a lot, really. I yeah. can't believe that. Of you. I cannot <laughs> believe that of you. <laughs> you know, it was like it was cool hanging out with other kids that are in like a Greek household as well. So I love that. I made so many good friends and I loved it. I really did enjoy it. So were you born in Cyprus? No, I was born in Australia. The Greek language and Greek culture, that was so oh, strong, obviously so, so strong. So strong, so strong, yes. Which but is a amazing. big culture Big culture in Melbourne to this day. So I think it's the biggest Greek population in the city outside of Athens? And I would believe it because where we're, you know, like where we live, down the road's one auntie and then around the corner's another auntie and then down the road is another auntie. <laughs> so all my aunties are in the neighbourhood, you know. So it's quite, it's cool. So all our cousins grew up together and everything. And so it's so like, like Chicago, my big, big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> exactly like that. And it was like that in the 80s and 90s. It was so like that. And I would go to every single wedding and they'd be like, so when are you going to get married? So when are you going to get married? And when are you going to get married to a Greek boy? So you weren't really allowed to mix race. You know, oh, no. But you didn't marry a Greek boy or <laughs> or an Aussie boy for that matter. You took a partner as a as a female Aussie. A female that, Aussie, yes. And ha- was that cool with the Greek community? Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely. No one really spoke about it. And I remember I was, you know, I was working at Bathers Pavilion and mum rang me up and she goes, we need to have a chat. I saw on Facebook, my brother had told my mum, I saw on Facebook you have a girl, you're with a woman. 
And I said to her, if you need to disown me, that's fine, mum. You know, and she goes, why would I ever disown you? She goes, I'm oh upset the fact that you haven't come and spoken to me about mm. the situation mm. and that I have to hear it from everybody else and my own daughter hasn't come to see me. And she goes, I love you no matter what, but I need oh. you to come and tell me these things. Mm. Oh, that and makes makes me cheer up. That's yeah, and, but it was very hard for her to process as well. Like it really mm. was. And Casey was so over the fact that she was basically a secret within my family. I mean, I didn't tell anyone in the household for about eight years. And we've been together for 14 years now. Obviously, everyone else knew, and it's not a big deal for me because I don't really care what everyone else has to say. But mm. when it comes to your family, it's so different, isn't it? You know, you're always getting a bit anxious and a bit worried and, you know, how you have let them down or a disappointment. Oh, my God, yeah. It was it was hard because, you know, yeah. the Christmas will come, there's no yeah. Casey, you know. Um, Easter, which is a big tradition for us, there was no case of weddings, special events, and I'd be on my own and everyone would be questioning what's going on. And then people were kind of like new but didn't know. But mm. I'll tell you one thing that really helped was me being in the public eye. So once I got on TV, it was okay to be gay. And oh it's my, so wow. weird. Oh, my God. Isn't weird? Same for us. I know that we're going into areas that are, that are you know, real man's territory um, where we where we felt like we would have been stoned to death looking at the slightest bit flamboyant. Um, once, and no one would ever know. It. Once you go in the public eye, it's like, it's cool to be gay if you're in the public eye. Yeah. It is like that, isn't it? it? Is. And then all of a sudden everyone wants to know your business. You know, my family has accepted it. Casey was, we had Greek Easter together, we have Christmas together. My niece and nephew absolutely adore Casey. Mm. And it's quite nice at the fact that they've welcomed her. I mean, she mm. is gold and she's beautiful. And I'm very lucky to have someone like that. That's very absolutely. Supportive. And we know Casey obviously, and she is so she's beautiful. Yeah, she's got. During those times, Anna, where it wasn't something with the family, and given that the Greek families are so strong, the bond is so strong. Yeah, it must be difficult to know what to talk about because there are things in your life that are connected to your partner. And did you find you were filtering that? And and what toll did that take on you? Oh, 100%, you know, and you doubt stuff as well. And I think it affected Casey more than me because I was okay to keep a little secret. But Casey is like, why am I such a secret? I'm such an important part of your life. Do you not value me? And, mm-hmm. I, and I, I mean, I love Casey bits. And she is absolutely right because it was such a hidden secret for so many years. I just got so used to lying or just not being honest. And it affects you down the track, of course. But, you know, like, but now it's just so open and no one cares. And it is TV has really helped isn't it? It's like my coming out story for my family, you know, but everyone's so accepting because it's okay. Anna is on TV. She's famous, which I don't like using that word, but it's okay that she's a lesbian. Yes. <laughs> it's just bizarre, you know. It gives permission. It's so so you, you started the soft hotel in Melbourne, didn't you? Yes. Yep, yeah. Okay. And then you went to London first? Yeah. So it was soft hotel in Melbourne. Were you, with Casey when, were you with Casey when no, you were overseas? No, 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 no. I wasn't with Casey. I didn't, I didn't end up being with Casey until I came back from the UK and then I met her at a club, but that's another story there. So apprenticeship over at Sofitel, you know, at the start I was very naughty, wasn't doing great, you know, out partying, having a great time, and God, did I have a great time. Tuesday nights were the only nights I was really home, but every single day I was able to go to a gay venue and have a great party time. And, you know, when I was doing my apprenticeship, that was my... I wanted to party. I didn't want to be a chef and be so disciplined and stuff. And don't forget, I was doing my apprenticeship at the same time with George Calambara, Shane Delia and all the big guns. Uh, you know? So you were doing pastry, they were doing 
doing savoury? I was doing savoury. Oh. Yeah, so we'd worked at the hotel where you would do six-month stints in each outlet. So I did, you know, breakfast, I did banqueting, I did the restaurant, I did cafe mix, and then I did pastry, and I love pastry. And pastry is what got me to actually really love cooking even more. What was the motivation to be a chef in the beginning? Being Greek Cypriot, I mean, everything revolved around food. I didn't know any different. You wake up, what are you going to eat for lunch? You know, <laughs> breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But what are we going to eat for the next day and the day after that? You know, and now that life revolves around food, I, Mitch, I think you could be Greek. Oh, my God. So I wake <laughs> I up and as soon as I'm awake, if it's 5 o'clock or 5.30, whatever time, um, I said, so like, I'll race to the kitchen and start cooking breakfast. So I have to do a cooked breakfast every morning. I love having a cooked breakfast. And I love eating at home. Like I love eating home-cooked meals more than eating out. I think because I miss it because we're so busy and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll just eat out. It's just easier. But how nice is it when you cook your own food and you sit down and your partner is giving you the thumbs? Because I always look at what Casey thinks about my food and she's like, great, great, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Is but she I the most important judge? Is Casey the most important oh, judge? Oh, my God, yes, yeah. 100%. I want to go back to the Sovitel. You went pastry in the Sovitel. Sorry, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 I'm willing back, baby. Sovitel, <laughs> look, Sovitel was great for me. I mean, I met um, Scott Pickett's GM now, who's Andy Northair. I met oh, Marcus wow. Moore. I mean, there's so many great chefs that came from there. I mean, Donovan Cook, I believe, was there at one. Um, yes. Shannon Bennett. Like, all the top chefs. And we had a private school in there as well. Yeah, of course. It was amazing. And I suppose that's when I went into Shangri-La and I tried to implement the same mentality of of hotels because my training was so good at Sofitel. It was amazing. But you said you weren't really that attracted to it until pastry. Well, because I got thrown into a – so they were going to kick me out of Sofitel because I was a wild child party and everything. Were the, this is the Mohawks, see, this is where we're getting to the, the Mohawks. Time. So the Mohawk. then, Did then, you have the Mohawk back then? No, Casey no. gave me the Mohawk by accident. <laughs> so she didn't put the blade on, starts shaving it and starts going, starts giggling. And I was going to Greek Easter the next day at church, right? So I'm in Sydney, she's shaving my head because she was just trimming it and then shaved it at zero. And she starts giggling and she's like a nervous giggle and I'm just like, what's going on? And she goes, nothing, nothing. Nothing, and then starts trying to fix it, and all of a sudden it's a. Zzz, zzz, zzz. And, like, oh, and I look in the mirror, and I just start crying, and I go, "My mum's going to kill me." Mind you, I'm in my thirties. She's going to kill me because I'm still terrified. We're all still terrified of our mothers. She's a Greek mother. Greek mother. I go the next day to Melbourne. My mother is not happy. Makes me wear a hat to church. cover the fact that I had a mohawk at oh, church. God. And then after I went back home to Sydney, I said to Casey, oh, I love this. It's so cool. And then that's how the Mohawk started. <laughs> but anyway, that that was interesting to learn. But you were nearly got chucked out of the soft talk because you're a wild child and then pastry came along. Well, there was a competition called Carl Cox and that was where all the hotels would put their princesses in there. And then from there they were desperate. They had no one. So they were going to quick kick me out of the hotel. And then they were desperate, so they kept me back into the hotel to go into this competition. It was a very big thing for hotels back then. Yeah. And then I didn't want to go into pastry and not knowing what I was doing. So then what I would do is I would I stopped partying and started focusing on pastry. So all my, you know, like after school hours, weekends, whatever it may be, I was in pastry volunteering my time to learn as much as I could. And then that's why. And then I did really well in the competition. And then that's what gave me the 360 
And then when I did really well, all of a sudden all these opportunities came about. Because a pastry chef now, like even now compared to then, is so rare. But did you do it because you found you were good at it or did you start to get good at it and fall in love with it? Well, I got thrown into it because they were in the shit and I needed someone to do it. Yeah. Um, and then because I started doing, started looking into pastry, I started falling in love with it. I love good. the fact that it's very particular and it's elegant and it's gorgeous. I'm not saying that food like main courses can't be because I think when French Laundry came into it, remember when yep. French Laundry and yeah. released that book, all of a sudden all the chefs were blown away and we all started loving that particular plating up. But I don't know, there's something about pastry that I really love. Like I love how people get excited about it, how technical it can be. I mean, I just did Casey's cake that took me two days for a birthday. And out of all the presents and everything we did, she was more excited about the cake than anything. That was Casey. She just dropped something. That's Casey with the clippers. Casey, shut the fuck up. Um, Casey, shut the fuck up. She's just laughing. Uh, With pastry, it's the finer end of pastry. Like when you're doing more casual Apple pies, I think it can be forgiving. But when the finer end of pastry, it's very unforgiving. It's precision. Mm. But how beautiful is an apple pie, though? And I think we take it for granted, you know, the pastry, the way that we've, the apples, how the apples being cooked, you know, how we're finishing the top. Is there a custard that goes with it? Is it an ice cream? Oh, my God. You know, and it is a simple dish but such a beautiful dish. There's an apple pie and then there's apple pie. Yeah, the Macca's apple pie. <laughs> yeah. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. I oh, know it's the best. Because you're so known for those really highly technical, I mean, amazing things that you see that you cut into and there's layers of things and you spend so much time. What is it that motivates you to do that? Oh, look, it does take time, but I think, you know, like, for example, with Casey, the excitement, you know, the fact that she got excited when she was given this dish and every time she bites into it, her, her eyes just light up and she's like, mm, and she's excited. Yeah. And that drives me more. You got known, like, was it Master Chef as well? There was a dessert that you dipped as a challenge. Was that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was like, I started off the carrot cake, but the Anna's mess is what went viral. Yes. That's right. Because the carrot was, cake, people don't remember the carrot cake. They remember Anna's mess. Yes. They, and, you know, and I won best dessert with the carrot cake. Yeah. But the Anna's Mess was this beautiful, elegant sphere, like a ball, let's say, that the only way to eat it is to create a mess. So you're playing on food. So you've got this beautiful thing and then my personality comes out with picking it up and just throwing it. And everyone just thought it was hilarious and it went viral. Okay. You did really well at the Sofitel after you converted to pastry and then you took yourself to the UK. Well, I won an, um, a scholarship, so then that's when I went over there. And I was originally going to go to Dorchester. Yeah. Um, and then I found it very classic, like very old school. Garrett on service, which is, you know, the trolley, obviously, that you wheel it and you cook in front of people, which I absolutely love. And there would be cakes as well, but the cakes were very classic. Mm-hmm. They weren't really modern. And then I went to visit my friend Julie, who was the executive pastry chef at Claridge's Hotel, and I was just blown away by Claridge's. It was beautiful. It was elegant. And the desserts were mind-blowing. Yeah, and then I went and worked with um, Julie. And Julie was amazing with me. She really looked after me, nurtured me, supported me. And, I mean, I met Gordon there that was trying to get me to work in his restaurant because he was upstairs. Gordon to Claridge's Gordon Hotel. Ramsey, Gordon Ramsey. Yeah. Wow. And then upstairs was his restaurant. And he's like, why don't you come for a job trial? We want to put you up there. 
and then he offered me to do his um, scholarship. That if you won his scholarship, there's so many amazing opportunities. We worked in these different Michelin star restaurants. There was cash prize money it was huge, but then I was ready to come back back then. Hello. But he was he was really lovely to me. He was amazing. As how, well. how long were you in London? I was there for about three years. And then I won Best Dessert in the UK and I was the youngest, the only female. And when I say youngest as well, it's also my position. I was a commie chef and there was executive pantry chefs, wow. chefs and all these seniors. And I wasn't the best person in there. Mm. I just trained really hard, like super hard. Like I wouldn't go to sleep and I would just work. So I would do my shift and stay up and do that. But I was also studying at university as well. So I was doing uni, I was doing competition training and working. So I wasn't sleeping at all. What were you studying in uni? Culinary arts and pastry. You won the best dessert in the UK and Greek, if we say Greek Cypriot, Australian woman in the UK who wasn't necessarily, by your own words, the best in that, you know, in terms of skill. But you went there and you won it. Like one, how did you feel about that? And, And how did other people feel about this person from down under coming and winning this thing? Well, they didn't like the fact that I was a female. Really? But, yeah, they didn't like the fact that my senior chef was in the same competition and I beat him. Wow. Um, and that was very hard for him and I feel for him. I, I get it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm a junior guy that's just won it. Um, but then, I mean, wow. You know, and then I went ended up going to work with Pierre Hermé. So this stage is with him. Um, over in Paris. Nostalgia's Michael, when they go and do it, is when they go into basically give themselves up for free. Oh. To, to look. To Australian chefs do it all over Europe. Yes, yes. Just, yeah. I didn't know that's what it was called. Hmm. I started. Yeah, so they paid for everything. So they paid for um, accommodation, flights, um, got to work with Pierre Hermé, met him, um, the whole lot. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. And the vineyard as well, because it was De Valeroy that sponsored it as well. So I ended up going to the vineyards and then I met everyone and had champagne and this beautiful French lunch. And it was just the most amazing thing. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So amazing success overnight. You know, the the main thing, Mitch, when we talk to people, your success, it comes from hard work. Oh, 100%. And it's never... I've never just received it on a silver platter. Like I've worked very hard, like a lot of other people. Yeah. But I've never chased money. I've never, ever chased money. I've always chased experience. And even now as a senior, I've reached out to friends of mine that own bakeries and said, can I volunteer my time to just get some more work experience? So I want to put a hat on. I don't want anyone approaching me and I want you to treat me like another staff member. Cool. You know, it's about learning and, and growing. Because if I'm going to implement something, I really need to know exactly how to make it 100%. And, you know, I haven't done bakery for a while. Like, of course, I make breads and focaccias and croissants and whatever it may be. But I want to go back again and do it on a commercial basis. So then I came back to Australia and I won Best Dessert in New South Wales, I'd say. And then that got me, um, again, 
an opportunity to go over to Chicago. And then I went to Chicago and did uh, a chocolate course. Oh, wow. And I hated it. Really? Oh, really? I hate chocolate sculptures. It just bores me. Oh, my God. I wanted to go shopping. We watched Alan. We went and saw the Cubs there, you know, Chicago Cubs. I mean, we had so much fun. I was more excited about Chicago, about the whole jazz and the sports because they're really into the sports and the Hawks had just won ice hockey back then. It was huge and we just loved it. I I spent time in Chicago. What I loved about that, and and it all goes back to food, but a fun town, lots of amazing partying. But but when you see Chicago has a long, harsh winter and everything's closed up, as soon as the weather becomes fine, the whole city seems to become uh, very much uh, like outdoor eating. Everything bifolds back and all the restaurants are indoor-outdoor. I just find that amazing for a city that's so geared to winter. But you know what, Anna, this is one of those rare times where it's not about me. So we'll talk about that another time. He's not, it's not used to it. It's about you. Hey. Now, have I ever said that to you? Have I ever? I've said, never had that. that <laughs> and can I ask you one other thing? My big, big fat Greek wedding, you know, that with the mother, because I think Greek mothers, like they're very strong. Greek women are very strong. Oh, the yeah, women I know. And I love that where the Greek mother, it's just like your mother. It's like the man thinks he's the head. But where the neck, because without the neck, the head cannot move. It was like, without me, it doesn't. Oh, mum was very dominant, and dad knew his, you know, his, you know, place in the household. Like she's very dominant. Oh, very. Who's who's dom- just- who's dominant in your house? Casey. <laughs> Casey, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> soft. She said that it's me, but it's not true. It's her. Soft, sweet Casey, as everyone yeah, thinks. She, she's the one. She yes. has control. Yes. I'm waiting for her to pop her head out and I think, as if that's fucking bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so you came back to Australia and then you ended up as the Shangri-La pastry queen. Um, so I ended up going to Bathers Pavilion. And wow, like what an experience that was. That was really hard for me walking in there. Because it was just all the chefs were so much better than me, you know, and not in a bad way. Like you always want to hire people that are stronger than you so you can continue learning and yeah. developing. Why would you organise and hire people that are not as strong? Yes. Of course it's important to nurture them and grow them, but you always want people that are stronger. And these guys were amazing, amazing. I had my chocolate tea that was from Austria. I had French pastry chefs. I mean, I had everyone, everyone in there. Wow. And it was just brilliant. We did our croissants, danishes, breads, all in-house. Our chocolate bonbons, everything was made in-house, nothing was bought in, and there was no freezers on purpose. I think there were small freezers for the ice cream. Everywhere else wasn't because everything was fresh a la and, and it paid off because that restaurant to this oh. day is renowned for amazing, relentlessly good for, uh, for oh, food. Yeah. And that's interesting so you said I, no freezers. I never even thought about that, yeah. but that makes sense. Don't have freezers because you're not going to be freezing food. It's all fresh. Yep. But then back then they didn't have a chef's hat, so I got them the chef's hat. Oh, wow. Um, because when they got reviewed, it was all about the desserts and how beautiful it was and everything. You know, we made our own butter actually saying that and the bread and it was amazing. And then I also did Serge's cookbooks. Oh. So you could have had Serge's name there, but there should have been Anna Anna as well because I did all the desserts were all mine. And, you know, and worked really hard to get that book done. And I remember he goes, I want a cheesecake for my book. I said, oh, okay, All right. So we gave him like three, four different cheesecakes. And then he just didn't like it. So we're like, okay, we're going to get the back of the condensed milk 
and we're just going to copy exactly what's on the back. And he loved it. Oh, so, funny. <laughs> so we're like, oh, geez, we've got to change the recipe. And we started changing the recipe by adding yogurt um, instead of all cream cheese and, you know, just changed it around. But it was so funny. We could not believe he just loved it. And we're just like, oh, we can't copy exactly what's on the back of the tin. Could have become the, so that's why. the signature dish of the restaurant. <laughs> but, he, we, but he would tell you a story of where that cheesecake came from and I believe it was when he had it in France and it was this. I'm like, oh, my God, are you joking me? <laughs> it was not. It was the back of the tin, man, but I had to change the recipe. <laughs> and, Anna, you're, so for your living arrangements for you and Casey, you're actually renting a house. So how do you go about in a rental? Um, because whether because people talk about renovation and, and it's it often gets this big total rebuild type thing, but people rent. And when you're renting, yeah. it's it's not a it's not a case of well, I can't it's not mine, I'm renting it. It is your home. So how do you go about making a rental? your home what's your renovation process because to me renovation is anything from styling the couch to painting walls to building new kitchens it's everything from nothing to to the total it's funny you said that so we had the landlord come and look at the place and it was really impressive how clean and tidy it was I told him to take off his shoes if he's going to walk on my rug. (laughs) and he just looked at me and I'm just like I'm paying to rent this place is spotless. I look after it. And I said to him, I look after this more than anyone would ever. Yep. Yes. And he goes, I can't believe how clean this place is. I'm like, well, we don't want to live in a shithole. <laughs> he actually, he's really good. He let us paint my office space and we've got the wall because it was just really off green mm-hmm. and he let me paint it. Oh, good. And, and he's really good. He's quite flexible. I mean, we've been in here for like eight, eight nine years now. Wow. So it's he interesting. To sell it to us, but I said no. no. It's interesting. Sometimes people say, "Oh, if you're renting, you can't do improvements." But if you have a good relationship with your landlord, and if you're a good tenant, as you you and Casey have been, often they will say, "Yeah, no problem," as long as it's not something too crazy, or as long as you agree you'll return it to what it was like maybe when you were there. So you can change. Because I know I to that Mark that as a landlord owner of a property. You own an investment. Mm-hmm. The tenant, the tenant, while they're paying rent, they own a home. Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference yes. between a home and an investment. There is, but what I think is really interesting in this is the relationship between a landlord and a tenant. Often, you know, you hear people saying, oh, they both hate each other, but you actually need each other. And when you have really good tenants, you want to look after them. Because they're looking after your investment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because because you're, you're both invested in the investment. Well, we're looking so, at buying now. But the, the thing is, if we buy somewhere where we're located, if we're looking for a two-bedroom place, you're looking at about $1.2 million. Yeah, in the inner so, west. Yeah, it's a lot of money for what we want because we need an office space because Casey does her own jewellery, so we need to have that space. We need our bedroom. We need a study as well. You know, so there's all these things that we do like. We do love where we live, but we would never buy it because of the strata levels is ridiculously high. Mm. I mean, kind of. I mean, we've got a tennis court, a pool, and a gym. So, Anna, what's more important to you? Yeah, that's the choice you have to make. Is the like because this is your home you're talking about now. It's not just a it's not just something for an investment. What's more mm. important to be in that proximity of the inner west where you are, 
or can you move out 15 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it takes to get the right house? No, we want to stay location. Yeah. So you and and so we've said, okay, so it's going to be location, but then we have to put a little bit more money in. Yes. So we're like, okay, that's what we're going to do because we don't want it. We love our area. Mm. I mean, we, you know, we we can go across to Sydney Park. You know, our gym is near both all our friends. Our friends are all here, their own properties as well. And we just love it. We love where we live. You know, so we're just like, okay, let's look at a townhouse, spend more money, but be happy where we live. One thing, one thing that can be can end up being a catch twenty two situation is thinking we need more money, um, and as you need more money and try and save more money, just hopefully that the property values don't go up at a quicker pace than your savings. Because I know um, where we are out on the northern beaches, like we've been in this place now for for two years, and we couldn't we if. If we had have been working with the money we had to invest in this property, we couldn't afford to buy it now because the because the values went crazy. But this is the only place we haven't renovated, yeah. and and it's made more money than anything we've ever touched because COVID seemed to affect the way people live. And the central oh. CBD, um, which was always the prize place where we'd always owned before, um, all of a sudden became less desirable. And further out. If you're in a pretty location by the coast or or by or by a bit of country sort of feel, it just went crazy and we lucked out. But so what I'm saying is if we had have waited to save more money, we would have not been here now. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be you've got to be careful of that. And, and we're like, we're gonna go, we're gonna get a buyer to help us, you know, and that's what we said. Like we'll get someone that's professional yep. in the field that knows what's going on because we don't know the market, we don't understand the market, we don't understand location. So she might say, and we can move you a little bit five minutes out. Yeah. We'd be flexible to that, but you're going to get more value. Then we're like, okay, so how about we buy a place in Port Macquarie where Casey's from and have it as an investment? But do I, I don't want it in, like, of course, investment's important, but I want to live in my own home. Yes. We want to decorate it the way that we want. You know, Casey wants a dog that I, I haven't heard the end of it. So I promise that when we get our own space, we'll get it because it's not someone else's home really, because the landlord doesn't want us to have a dog here. We need to respect that as well. Yes. Um, so we're like, okay, let's look at our own home. Let we style it our way, you know, and get what we need as well. And I think that's important. It is. And, and in making those decisions, would you look at a place that you need to renovate or are you people that go, we need to go in and have something done? Like, Would you do the trade-off? Oh, I don't know. Look, I'm not against it if I can see the vision. And a lot of times you don't see the vision because we're not professionals in seeing it. You need a professional person to come and say, actually, you can do this, this, this. So, Anna, you're you're way into the market in the space you need because the space is what it sounds like is important. Oh, of course, 100%. It it may be your way in might be to to buy that ugly duckling where the space is a mess. because it, it might be the only way you can afford to have the space you require, and then you make it your own. So if you've got to, yeah. so if you've got to spend one point two, you might be better off to spend one and save the two hundred thousand dollars to make the one million dollar place perfect mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. rather than spend one point two and buy something that's already perfect. Are you going to help me with that? Well, I just thought, that, <laughs> but I thought, what I thought was we can have a, we can help you look for things that have got potential. Mm-hmm. That might yeah. that might make more sense for you. 
Mm. I think it's to us what's interesting thinking property and kind of summing up some of that is you have an opportunity if you're looking at renovating a place to create value to manufacture kind of equity or manufacture growth. So what we've done as property flippers is you go in and through the changes you make, you create growth in that property that wouldn't have happened otherwise. So, you know, you're naturally in in a lot of areas over time, you naturally get growth over time, over a year, two, five, ten years. What we're trying to do with our renos is add value to create that growth quicker in the property. But the other thing for us is it gives a stamp and you get the opportunity to stamp what you want on that property. Um, Classically, the most expensive things that you'll address will be bathrooms and kitchens to be able to change those things. But there are also some simple things if you go into a property that you do like phase one, phase two and phase three. Um, Those things, paint changes a whole lot of things depending upon when the property was built, moving walls, chiprock walls, that kind of stuff. Um, They're the sorts of things that sometimes if you can see that vision, you get a property at a lower price and then you can create something that's at a higher price. And and also when it comes to space, you can have two properties that are both 100 square metres and because of the orientation of one over the other, 100 square metres in the right in the right proportions can be so much bigger than 100 square metres in the wrong proportions. Yeah. So you need to be looking at not only the space, but it's about how the space works and how you can improve upon that space that, that you, what your footprint is. Hmm. Oh, my God. I'm getting so excited hearing it, you know, like because I, this has been a dream is to get a place. It has, you know, and it's trying to make that right decision. Do we go for that expensive place? Do we make it modern? You know, what do we do? Do we have to be flexible? And when you start seeing how much everything's costing and the value, you have to be flexible. You do. I think it's an exciting time if you're creative and you're a creative person, as is Casey, you can go into buildings and put your stamp on it and there are ways to do it without spending huge amounts of money so as we said there are some cosmetic things paint and stuff does it sounds dumb but paint as you know you painted your office paint can change the whole look of the place of course but in smaller properties you know you can get tiles at the end run of tiles and you get them at maybe half the price so it's those sorts of finishes you can save some money on um, the main cost is going to be labour. So whenever you're looking at the property, as we mentioned, kitchens and bathrooms, if you're starting to move those things around, that's where the money is. Um, but the possibilities are great. But no, but you know what, though? If I look back over your history and we've gone from, from Sofitel Melbourne to, to winning an award in London where you, were the, where you said you were the least qualified chef but you won because you worked your ass off, and then you say, I don't understand property, so I'm going to get a professional. I want you to bring into your property search the same level of passion you bring into your pastry. Go through everything that fits into your price range within, within whatever parameters you're prepared to live. Get to know that as part of your Greek yeah. school, the bit on Saturday you didn't want to do. You've this is your to, real estate school. You've got, to, you've got to do the work. So we've been researching what's going on. We know what the money value. Also done a mood board as well and put locations. Great. And also how much Great. we're allowed, you know, out. Basically what we can spend, mm-hmm. what's comfortable, mm-hmm. and then what's slightly stretching over that we're okay with but not ideal. 
The key to that research is ask lots of questions. Never be scared to ask questions. Oh, we ask lots. You are so good. So there are opportunities sometimes when you look at suburbs, thinking about proximity to the city, what's the next suburb that's closer to that cool area. So that cool area might be adding an extra 20, 30, 40% on the property price, but the suburb that's another five minutes walk away or 10 minutes that isn't seen as appealing that could be the next one to go off. So it's it's kind of a juggling game, but it's research. Well, do you know what? Look, I I remember the time where if people would see, I don't know, a lesbian with a pig mohawk walking towards them, towards them, they'd scream, <laughs> scream and run, and 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 now they want to get a selfie with her. <laughs> yes, but don't you think it is so cool? The benefit is so cool that as as a lesbian on TV, that kids that conversation now becomes present for kids you know the diversity and and what you do as a role model for people watching you on tv is so important that people know you can express yourself you can be who you are so important anna we've (laughs) asked you a million questions and you've been so generous i found out stuff about you i didn't know absolutely amazing but you know what let's flip it do you have a question you would like to ask of us Anything you like, nothing's off the table. No, what I want to know is how you guys met because I don't think you've ever told me that. Oh, where did, where did you guys meet? On a dance floor. Well, well, we met in a really upscale bar. Oh, what does that mean? A, a very is it really? No, Stonewall. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Anna, it was in Stonewall, and Mitch was on an exit date. He was dumping somebody, and I walked. And in. then. Well, I Mark walked in, but I, I was it love at first sight. Well, it pretty much was, but Mark walked in, and I remember the lovely guy that I was with, who was a great guy. Um, Maddie said to me, um, "Well, you know, I think we're great together." And I said, "Yeah, it's not working for me." Um, and he said, "What are you looking for?" And I said, oh, "Probably someone like that guy over there." And he said, "What that guy?" Really? And we both pointed, and we both pointed and pointed at Mark, and Mark did sort of waved back i said oh my god he's waving at me i said i best go and say hi mm. so for me and all i saw was these two people at a bar pointing at me and i said well i don't know like i'm not sure what i'm supposed to do <laughs> and so mitch walked over and said oh i thought i'd come and say hi because you were waving at me and i said well you were pointing at me what else would i do i didn't know what else to do and that was the beginning of it and here we are and i told mark within five minutes i said oh my god i've been looking for so forward to meeting you um, and Mark said um, something about. Um, I just thought he's crazy. Mark how many crazy. Meet you and say, I've been looking forward to meeting you. It's like, I don't know you. So how would you know? I just knew. I, I knew that. I thought, oh, God, I've met him. He's, this is the right person. And I said, don't worry. I'll explain that in the morning. And Mark said, um, heads up, there'll be no in the morning. And I said, I'll, I'll explain that too. Always overconfident, Anna, you know, always <laughs> overconfident. <laughs> But I love it, and that's very attractive, though. Like if someone's very confident, even so it's a bit sleazy and creepy, <laughs> they can't like, get away with it, you know? Are you suggesting he was sleazy and creepy? Well, you might be right. <laughs> anyway, so. Especially when you're at a club, true, you know. True, true, So that's how we met. A bit of sliding door story. Oh, my God, I love Otherwise it. we would never have met. Isn't that beautiful? Amazing. I, lo- I love Amazing. people that have been together for a long time because there is a secret with that, isn't it? 18 and years. What- 18 years. And what's the secret? Um, I don't know, but 18 years as a gay as a gay male couple together, it's almost like dog years, really. The secret is, you know that movie, The Respect. Wedding? 
crashes where the girl goes, if you leave me, I'll find you. That's Mitch. <laughs> that was my motto. <laughs> no, I don't care. If you leave me, I'll find you. I said that to Mark from the beginning. If you leave me, I find you. Yeah. Um, but it's, look, do you know what the secret is? You've got the secret. Treat each other with respect. And I see that with you and Casey all the time. And we treat each other with respect. And when, and we don't have big fights where we talk to each other badly. And And I think, Mitch, it's like in our heads is because we choose to be here. We're not bound by chains. We choose to be here. And in in saying that, then I think it just naturally leads to treating each other kindly and with respect. I mean, you get annoyed with each other at times, but... Yeah, of course. And, and, and I'm, I'm all for I'm all for breaking up if it doesn't work. When people say to me, oh, you know, it's good enough, mm. oh, my God, I think that's sad because it should never be good enough. It should be great. And I agree with you. And I think speaking to each other with respect, and, you know, sometimes when I see relationships, people swearing at each other or putting them down, I'm like... That's just too much. It's just toxic. Yeah. It's supposed to build each other up, you know, and it's really important. Yeah. Excellent. Anna Polavu, Pastry Queen, it has been a delight to hang out with you today. But, guys, thank you so much for this podcast, this interview, this chat. Thank you, darling. This gathering. It's great. Thank you so much. Mwah, mwah, mwah. So, Michi. Anna loves Macca's apple pies. Who knew? Mark, but I love a Macca's apple pie. They are great. Not compared to her cooking, but they're still pretty amazing. I'm, I'm with her. You know what I love about that? An award-winning pastry chef can still acknowledge other products. It's fantastic. But you know, everyone, check out Anna's books, Kids Corner and Sweet Street, filled with amazing recipes for fabulous desserts. Great this holiday time. Everyone likes some sugar. And she shares some of her secrets of how to make them happen. But... That's it for us for this week. We hope you all have a wonderful Christmas. Stay safe and don't eat all the pies. And Vinci, you know, for quite a few people, the Christmas season can bring up some issues, some people isolated from family. So please remember, if you need support, you can get it from Lifeline or Beyond Blue. Their phone numbers are in our notes today. So if you look at the episode notes, you can always get support and just look out for maybe family or friends who might be doing a bit rough this season. But on that note... We want to wish you all a very happy Christmas and we will see you next week. Bye for now. Bye.